Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton. This is episode 16 of Freedom from Fear. What is your equilibrium? What is your default position, your starting point each morning when you get up? Are you settled or are you angry? I don't know about you, but lots of Christians I meet are angry people. They might be polite and to some degree friendly, but underneath there is a seething fury, a deep resentment, anxiety and rage. They rage at the world, they rage at each other, and they rage at all the people they hold responsible for the evils in their generation. Underneath it all, they rage against God. Fear is behind it all, fear of God probably, and that's one of the reasons we're looking at this series, Freedom from Fear. I'm not talking about anger coming from the current climate, the political climate, such as COVID hysteria or World War Three, which is our apparent undeclared existential war against Russia and China. These angers are manufactured to cover, to cover contractual obligations between the state and various corporate systems. For example, COVID was the cover for a transfer of trillions of dollars from states to pharmaceutical companies in the West in a world that was becoming far too healthy. World War Three, which is America's war against Russia and China, is the same. It's a business war. It's basically about fulfilling contractual obligations to weapons manufacturers in America and Europe following the end of the 20-year war in the Middle East. America's departure from Afghanistan was like Saigon in the 1970s, a complete and utter mess. But millions of Americans depend on these contracts. Expectations have been raised for 20 years due to America's love affair with war and this expectation-driven business cycle compels the state, that's America, to find wars to at least pretend it's all for a good cause rather than the vicious cycle of unproductive investment on a colossal scale. Both these major crises, COVID and World War Three, drive much of the contrived political fears of today. It's not about democracy or freedom, there's nothing to do with those things, but has everything to do with money and power. You can always get angry about this, get angry about COVID and World War Three, but you should not be surprised when people in power start doing things. This is always what they do. Just read a little bit of history. There's always some group to benefit financially from war, and they're usually the ones who start it and run it. It's the season to be jolly. I mean angry. Furthermore, the culture wars are in full swing in America and her satellites such as Australia and Canada. It is the season not to be jolly but angry. Christian fascists and their friends are driven by anger and they will help to tear society apart. Thanks, guys. In America, this insanity is at full throttle. The topics that we have been told we must fill our minds about include gun control, abortion, same-sex marriage, gender fluidity, Donald Trump, transgenderism, elections, and World War Three. This culture of fear and anxiety is counterproductive. Why are lots of Christians angry? Today I'm not talking about political anger, but personal anger, frustration, and anxiety. A lot of Christians are simply 
very angry people. I really don't know why. I suppose it might have something to do with the fruit of a lifetime of poor teaching or leadership in the churches. That's probably the case. God does not promise what he does not promise. God's promises are true. God's promises are real. uh, And whatever God promises, he delivers. But God does not promise what he does not promise. If we rest on the promises of God, we have comfort, security and hope. But if not, then we walk alone, quite alone. I would go as far as to say that most Christians spend their lives fretting over things God never promised them. And then they live their life with deep resentment. It's not surprising. I read recently about a book promoting Christian heritage in Australia. What heritage? The book is a work of fiction, a fantasy speaking about how Christianity shaped modern Australia. But which Christianity was this? Up to the present era, and even today, most churches hate each other. All churches are full of divisions and enmities, even within denominations and church societies. But across denominations, especially the Protestant-Catholic divide, throughout Australian history, those two denominations hated each other, despised each other, and opposed each other. So the idea of Christian Christian heritage in Australia is complete and utter fantasy. There is the story of the man who is found alone on a desert island in the ocean. And on the island there were three buildings. He is asked by the captain of the boat what they were, and the man points first his home, and then the church he attends. The captain asks about the final building, and the man reluctantly tells him this was the church he used to go to. What is our starting point as Christians? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter one, verse chapter three, verse one, Paul tells us simply that we are to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Wow. What a recommendation. What is he saying here? It's very interesting to unpack what he's saying in the verse. It's very surprising. Paul is not saying to be happy for the sake of being happy. He is not saying to put on a face and hope the best, put on a fake smile. Many years ago, I was invited uh, to visit a major religious cult in Japan. I'm not passing judgment on them. They seem like fine people. But I knew I was in the right area. When every person I met stopped, smiled and bowed at me. These subtle gestures, I found out later, were part of their religious devotion their uh, policy of greeting everyone in the street with a smile and with a bow. I was happy to receive this, but it was only on the surface, and it told me nothing of the heart. Rejoicing in the Lord is not optional for Christians. The word rejoice in Greek is not optional in this verse. It's not a suggestion. It is an imperative. This means it's something we must do. In the Greek, it's in the present imperative active. We must do this now, not tomorrow, but now. There are, they say, 74 times this word is mentioned in the New Testament, so it's commonly understood. It literally means to rejoice, as we understand it in English, to be glad. The word is also closely associated with the Greek word for grace, as well as joy. 
which is undeserved favor. So perhaps this is why Paul uses this word. As it suggests graciousness, a joyful spirit, everything connected with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians, so it makes sense that the only way he could rejoice was because God was already in his heart, the fruit of the Spirit. So this is not wishful thinking or optimism in the face of danger, bravado, but a settled sense of joy, continual joy. But furthermore, it is not simply having a sense of joy or gladness or a spirit of rejoicing. Most Christians would leave it there and say that Christians are happy people or they have inner peace. No, we are to rejoice in the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus. Lord means master, king. Our equilibrium position is to rejoice in the master, Jesus, or king, Jesus. This is our starting point. As king, he is our Lord, and he has our back. He fights for us, and he fought for us, at the cross, and we do not fear. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about Freedom Matters Today, please go to our website, freedommatterstoday.com. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom from Fear.